For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. If you've been following Cal's Week in Review, you know all about the cat native to Hollywood, the famous mountain lion P-22. Well, P-22 almost had a new competitor last week. Hollywood Animal Control was called by concerned citizens to wrangle a serval cat. The serval, spelled S-E-R-V-A-L, is native to Africa. Typically a golden coat with black spots and stripes, stands about two foot at the shoulder, and can weigh in anywhere from 15 to 40 pounds. This cat has been gaining in popularity as an exotic pet, despite the fact that it is considered wild and therefore subject to several layers of regulation in most states. Not Texas, of course. The serval is not a species of concern population-wise, but considering its natural hunting ability, it would be of major concern to just about any bird, mammal, or reptile it ran into. The serval, in relation to its body size, has the longest legs of any cat, making it an excellent jumper. They've been observed taking birds from 9 feet out of the air, as well as being proficient diggers. The spruce, pets.com, has this to say, Exercise needs. Hi. Playfulness, high. Energy, high. Intelligence, high. Friendliness, low. Kid-friendly, low. Pet-friendly, low. Sounds like a perfect Christmas gift for someone you hate. Honestly, the descriptions of these cats as pets should start out with do not buy, which is probably why it was found in the area that some refer to as Hollyweird. In fact, with the exception of their ability to jump and hunt, their habits sound similar to human Hollywood residents that make the news. Very attractive, they sleep during the day, primarily active at night, urinate on everything, 
Not necessarily picky eaters, but they puke a lot. Despite all of these complications, people going all the way back to the Egyptians liked to keep the serval as pets. In this case, most likely, they had just attempted to keep it as a pet. Breeders are found in the U.S., but the cats themselves are not considered domestic. At risk of sounding like a broken record, we know what cats that we call domestic do to wildlife, so let's leave their hyped-up cousins alone, and preferably in Africa. This week, we're talking policy, updates, lake trout, corrections, and God's grizzly bears. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. Old Steve Rinella and myself hit the road once again, this time to Bemidji, Minnesota, home of the Bemidji Lumberjacks and Lumberjills, the Bemidji State Beavers, and most importantly, one of the best college Ducks Unlimited chapters in the entire U.S. of A. Bemidji State is only about 6,300 students, and these college chapter volunteers are consistently a top college DU chapter. I noticed in 2018, they beat out Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Georgia Southern. Texas A&M had an enrollment of just under 70,000 in 2018. We are talking some motivated students, and it was a really cool thing to see and be a part of. If you are currently in school, go volunteer. Many conservation organizations like Ducks Unlimited, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, the Wildlife Society, National Wild Turkey Federation, Pheasants Forever, and Trout Unlimited have college chapters. Just like with the non-college versions, you can meet new people who have common interests and hopefully different hunting and fishing spots, all while doing some good for habitat, wildlife, and access. Bemidji, Minnesota was impressive in the fact that the area has a ton of hunting and fishing opportunity. Very outdoorsy place, which, in my mind, coincides with the roughly 45% graduation rate at Bemidji State University. At least it would have for me. Anyway, aside from talking conservation with a bunch of interesting and dedicated folks, I got to get out on the ice for some fishing, which is much different than hard water fishing here in Montana. Major difference in this neck of the woods is it is very, very common to drive your full-size vehicle out onto the ice. In fact, to jump back to BSU info, when Bemidji Lake freezes over, students park on the ice in order to bypass the parking fees on campus. Communal roads are plowed out on the ice. Ice shacks that range from your insulated, quick-to-set-up Eskimo pop-up shelters to full-blown cabins complete with showers, ovens, TVs, and a convenient hole in the floor to fish through are deposited off of these roads and basically lived in for the season. Walleye is the kingfish around those parts, but being as walleye were just barely out of season, we did some fishing for the fish of many names, the burbot, ling, lawyer, cusk, or, as they call them consistently around Bemidji, eel pout or pouts, as in, we're going to go pound some pout tonight. The consistent bite is often at dusk and into the night. The crew I was with said they rarely are on the ice longer than 11.30 p.m., but just so you know, the two recent state record burbot were caught at 4.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m., as I remember guess the pout like to hit on the half hour as well. The pout has a single chin whisker or barbel, which is where it gets the name burbot. Cold water is key for the pout. In fact, some estimates say that for juvenile fish, temperatures above 54 degrees are intolerable. Burbot liver is huge in comparison to the size of the fish. Roughly 10% of the fish's mass is liver. It is tasty and full of fat. So if you're into catching these good-looking fish, don't throw that delicious bit away. The world record rod and real burbot comes out of a lake called Diffenbacher. 
but some call it Diefenbaker in Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan burbot came in at 25 pounds, 2 ounces. The biggest I have ever personally seen was a little under 7 pounds, so I've got a ways to go, but a 7-pounder is nothing to pout about. In other fishing news, we're going to release the first ever Cal's Week in Review video series we're calling Field Reports. It could be the last ever if you don't watch it. So watch it. This series is going to be live shortly on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. Be on the lookout and let me know what you think. I like going to check out conservation stories and access stories, and I love telling you all about it. So help me out and subscribe to the Meat Eater YouTube channel so this three-episode series doesn't pass you by. One of the episodes is in Tennessee, where I joined up with the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency to look at their invasive Asian carp situation. I came home from that trip with a pile of silver and big head carp fillets. I was working on a wonton recipe using this extremely neutral fish flesh. And, as I do from time to time, made a mistake in my description on the old Cal 406 Instagram account. I described the two invasive carp I dealt with, which are again the big head and silver carp, as zooplankton eaters, spelled Z-O-O, plankton, which they are. But I went on to say that they eat plants, which they do, but... Katie.Kobayashi, an aquatic zoologist, has the correction, and you should listen to it. Zooplankton are actually animals, mostly tiny crustaceans. By contrast, phytoplankton are tiny plants in the sense that they produce their own energy. Both are plankton because they are small, pelagic, free-floating organisms. The roots, zoo, Z-O-O, and phyto, P-H-Y-T-O, distinguish between animal and plant, respectively. Thank you to Katie for setting me straight, and you should eat Asian carp as a tasty side note. Do anything you want to it knowing that you are eating an invasive species that can consume 5-40% to of its own body weight every day, according to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Also, a fun side note, I got a lot of feedback on my carp cooking playlist. Instead of answering a bunch of messages, you can find that playlist on Spotify. It is called Storytellers, and as far as I know, my account name is Ryan Michael Callahan. And telling you that, I have just erased all hopes of anonymity, so appreciate it. And last on the public service announcement update list, John writes in with a really cool Veterans and Veterans Dependents program and well-timed as sign-up closes March 15th. It is called Heroes and Hives, which teaches beekeeping. You can help out the great big food web by proliferating pollinators. Heroes and Hives is conducted by Michigan State University. Being as I was brought up a Notre Dame fan, I'll say if you can't find this program at Notre Dame, the second best thing would be to check out the program at MSU. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, 
Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver, off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. On to the news. The New Hampshire state record lake trout was recently hauled out of the ice, shattering a 62-year-old record. The fish itself is estimated to have been 50 to 60 years old, which, believe it or not, isn't entirely uncommon. I do find it interesting that this new state record was possibly swimming around when the last state record was caught. Lake trout aren't actually trout, they are a char, just like the other char we call trout, such as brookies and bull trout. Why we do this? We like simplicity, I guess. And char sounds like a fish a pirate would catch. Char. Lake trout are long-lived fish that only hit sexual maturity between six and eight years old, and they regularly live past the 25-year mark. Lake trout inhabit high-oxygen, cold-water lakes and are mainly piscivorous, as in they eat fish. However, some lakers, or Mackinac, can survive on plankton in areas where a fishy prey base is not abundant. The largest laker on record was net caught and weighed 102 pounds. The largest rod and reel record was out of Great Bear Lake, That fish came in at 72 pounds and just shy of 60 inches in length. But back to New Hampshire. Thomas Knight of Meredith, New Hampshire, has, quote, the biggest fish in all of New England, which if you combine that with Thomas Knight's last name, sounds more like a royal decree or proclamation as opposed to a fishing record. The fish measured a 27-inch girth, 40 inches in length, and weighed, on an official scale, verified by a biologist, 37.65 pounds, shattering the 62-year-old record by a full 9-plus pounds. In an interesting twist, to me anyway, the fish will be taxidermied and rented to one of Knight's friends who owns a restaurant on a two-year lease. 
I'll follow up in March of 2022 in case anyone wants to drop in on this lease if the restaurateur doesn't choose to renew. Hopefully the lease fee goes back to New Hampshire Fish and Game. That's potentially 60 years worth of management on the wall. On to the policy desk and over to the state of Missouri. To ease on into this one, I had a plumber buddy from the state of Missouri when I was living in Idaho. He would say things like, flapping my trap, jacking my jaw, and talking out of school. But he would also talk about how great the state of Missouri was in regards to hunting, fishing, opportunity, and conservation. Even though we resided in the state of Idaho, he kept his subscription to Missouri Conservationist Magazine, which he gave his lifetime collection to me on short-term loan, just so I could read for myself all the things that he was telling me about. Anyway, that state pride and the fact that Missouri Conservation Magazine is actually free to any resident of the state of Missouri stuck with me. Currently, Missouri Department of Conservation is being attacked with House Joint Resolution 100, which would impose legislative authority onto the currently independent Department of Conservation, exposing conservation dollars to the potential winds of politics. The MDC is extremely well-funded, something that the voters of Missouri have continually ensured is the case, and it is that funding that is being so coveted. So, if you recreate in the state of Missouri... Let's not rob Peter to pay Paul. Call your state rep and tell them to vote no on HJR 100. Jumping over to the state of Idaho to pretty much the exact same issue. The independent Idaho fishing game is also being threatened by a proposal HB 514, which would eliminate the bipartisan requirement that currently exists. As in, the Idaho Fish and Game Council cannot be dominated by one political party. You can see, depending on how you vote, that this could be a good thing when your party is in power than a really bad thing when it isn't. Idaho's political majority has flipped 15 times. If you recreate in the state of Idaho, or intend to, call, write in, email, and tell state reps in the districts in which you spend your hard-earned cash to keep politics out of wildlife management. Vote no on HB 514. Last on the policy front... And stick with me here, because it's just getting good. The Land and Water Conservation Fund, or LWCF, needs your help. If you're sick of hearing about this one, let's get it over the hump with permanent funding so we can worry about other things. This bipartisan idea was to take out a tax on offshore oil and gas revenues and put it back into conservation. Conservation in the form of land and access for the outdoors available in all 50 states. This has provided bike paths and parks and fishing access sites and shooting ranges. Chances are you, right now, use some form of green space or access or easement to recreation that has been partially funded by LWCF. We just had a little rally here in Bozeman, Montana to show support for Land and Water Conservation Fund. The problem is everyone likes LWCF. The money is there, but it needs to be appropriated. So every time a budget comes up, we have to harass our congressional representatives to put the money in the bucket where it can then go to the states to do some good. This happens with every single budget and every single administration. We posted a group photo to the Mediator Instagram account encouraging Rep. Greg Gianforte of Montana to fund LWCF, and the conspiracy theorists came out of the woodwork because Greg Gianforte is a Republican, and apparently, according to some, you can't ask a Republican to do their job on behalf of people who like clean water, air, access, hunting, and fishing. Well, good news. 
We skipped Representative Gianforte and went straight to the tippy top. President Donald Trump immediately tweeted his support of the Land and Water Conservation Fund for full and permanent funding. His tweet read, I am calling on Congress to send me a bill that fully and permanently funds the LWCF and restores our national parks. When I sign it into law, it will be historic for our beautiful public lands. All thanks to Senator Cory Gardner and Steve Daines, two great conservative leaders. He uh, must have run out of tweet space for Meat Eater, but we are in it for the access, not the accolades. Pour the heat on your congressional representatives right now. Be a pain in the butt and tell them you want full and permanent funding of the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Thank you, Mr. President, for the Twitter love. Moving on, this next one is a special edition by that fantastic conservation writer Ben Long, God's Own Bear Attack. The good Lord works in mysterious ways, but one mystery caught my eye lately. When God wishes to smite sinners with a bear attack, what sort of bear will he deploy? Grizzly of course. The Bible and biology say so. Crack open the good book and you will find the obscure and enigmatic case of God's own bear mauling at 2 Kings 2.23-25. Despite my status as a retired Sunday school teacher and the author of scores of articles and a book about bear attacks, this story slipped my awareness entirely. And a small wonder. It's just two little sentences, but is also perhaps the bloodiest bear attack in written record. Let me recap. The hero of the story is the prophet Elijah. Elijah is a major player in the Old Testament, a prophet so renowned he also shows up in the Quran and the Book of Mormon. The setting is 900 BC, or nearly 3,000 years ago. Elijah is walking near the town of Bethel, north of Jerusalem. Elijah was mobbed and taunted by a large group of boys. In particular, they tease Elijah for being bald. Elijah was taking no guff that day. According to the New International Bible, he turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then, two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. As a journalist, I am left hungry for more information. I have reported on maulings where more than one person is hurt, usually when a panicked bear ping-pongs down a trail between two groups of hikers, swatting them around in turn, but this attack is downright, dare I say, biblical. Imagine a mama bear and a cub maul half a school bus full of brats. Seems a little harsh, but hey, I'm not God. It's maddening to not know the extent of the injuries. As one biblical scholar wrote, were there 42 funerals? There's no way to know. Theology aside, I was left wondering what manner of bear roamed the eastern shore of the Mediterranean back in the day. After all, there are eight species of bear worldwide to choose from. Answer is the Syrian brown bear a relatively small and light-colored subspecies of Ursos arctos syriacus arctos, or as we call them in North America, brown or grizzly bears. This subspecies tops out around 550 pounds. Historically, brown bears roam from Turkey to Turkmenistan, but have extirpated from Jordan, Israel, and Palestine. You may be surprised to learn that brown bears still roam rugged and remote corners of Iran, Iraq, and Turkey. The story, as so much of scripture, is subject to interpretation, but let me offer this. Beware when you tease a bald man or a mama grizz, nothing good can come from it. When Ben says the largest bear attack on record, he's referring to the fact that there has not been a recorded bear attack in modern history of more than seven people. 
this attack from 3,000 years ago would be uh, three and a half times that. That's all I've got for you this week. Let me know what I'm missing, how I'm doing, and what I got wrong by emailing me at askcal, that's A-S-K-C-A-L, at themeateater.com. If you're loving what you're hearing, please tell some friends and leave me a review by hitting that furthest right-hand star. Thanks again. I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks, sent right to your door visit mauinuivenison.com that's m-a-u-i-n-u-i venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order